Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. An emergency podcast caught offside from the Upper West Side of Manhattan and from Midtown Manhattan at Caught Offside's Auxiliary Towers. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney, what is up, brother? Andrew, I, I, I am stunned in an office uh, looking out over Midtown. An office, you could say, that would defeat Khaldun El-Mubarak, the very owner of Manchester City, who himself, I'm sure, is pretty stunned today. Um, wow. Yeah, you know, it's funny because sometimes we like, you know, we're, we're hard on Twitter. We mock Twitter and things like that. But I'll, I got to hand it to, um, well, let me find the exact tweet here. I got to hand it to one of our listeners at Swedish Car 850 who just sent us each a tweet with a link to the article about Manchester City being banned from Champions League play for two seasons. And he just wrote, oh, my goodness, boys, emergency pod. And I thought, wait, what? And then I opened the article and thought, oh my God, yes, emergency pod, emergency pod. This is this is madness, and it's a thing that's I guess been kind of danced around and talked about for really a couple of years now, of whether or not Manchester City, with all the financial might that comes from Sheikh Mansour's pockets, uh, if they would ever, if that financial might would ever find itself outside of the boundaries of what is allowed by this sport. Uh, and today we have come to find out, and there will surely be multiple appeals to this, and this isn't going to be necessarily decided overnight, but we come to find out today that he has gone outside of the boundaries, and Manchester City have as a whole, and they have been banned from Champions League play for two seasons. Uh, and I guess, JJ, the only thing I can really think of for a club like them to receive a penalty like that, I mean, this is essentially like their... Tell me if this is too dramatic, but it feels like this is the closest thing Manchester City in today's iteration of the Premier League and Manchester City. Like, this is the closest thing they can experience to relegation, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, if, of course. If, if you look at the defined aims and the clear aims of this club was not just to win multiple Premier Leagues, but to win the European Champions League. And for them to be not in that competition is a death sentence even for two seasons, because this club has been built around the vision of, of, of uh, Pep Guardiola. And this club has been tailored over a period of time prior to his arrival so that he could come in and seamlessly, well, maybe not seamlessly, but certainly quickly take City to a position they've never been in in European football. And this destroys all of that in one fell swoop. Oh, my. I mean, does it ever? And we'll get into... Uh, what this could mean for Manchester City moving forward from the perspective of their roster and from the perspective of their manager. But I guess what's first and foremost, what's most important, I guess, is JJ trying to understand what exactly it is that they did that fell afoul of the rules. Uh, and I'm going to be honest, uh, this is this is complicated stuff, and it's like... When you're talking about you know financial fair play, these these aren't necessarily the reasons that we love sports. Like, oh, I look forward to these podcasts so much, where I get to talk about money and ownership and financial laws of sports. Like, that's not like the fun part. But I mean, my God, on days like today, you can't help but avoid it. Um, this all stems from articles that we referenced fairly frequently on this podcast in Der Spiegel. Uh, yes. The anonymous footballer, where it was essentially just 
kind of like a dossier of just leaked information pertaining to different clubs around Europe and and you know allegations of this and that and um, and Manchester City's name came up uh, in this and that that was kind of like the beginning I guess of where we are today. Yes, um, I'm looking right now at the 2019. Um, article by uh, by by in, that was in Spiegel uh, by uh, Raphael Bushman and Christoph Winterback, and it it basically comes out of the Football League's documents, and it outlined how Manchester City's owners may have used a surreptitious company in the Cayman Islands to conceal a player investment fund, um, and you know it it even goes, but I mean it's been coming down the tracks because in in, in the Spiegel article. Um, it states that in 2014, Manchester City reached a settlement with UEFA to avoid such a penalty. So like a ban back as far back as six years ago, UEFA had discovered violations. And I'm reading from Spiegel, by the way, Mm -hmm. to its financial fair play rules, which prevent club owners from investing unlimited sums of money in their organizations. A club is not allowed to spend significantly, significantly more than it earns. Since Manchester was bought by Sheikh Mansour, Ben Zayed Al-Nahan, Though the club hasn't made much of an effort to keep its strategy a secret, it has been trying to buy its way to the top of football world by spending exorbitant sums of money on infrastructure and players, no matter what the cost. And UEFA investigators didn't believe the club's assertions that certain sponsors from Abu Abu Dhabi had no connection to the Sheikh. They suspected that these companies were also utilizing a surreptitious investment vehicle to inflate the club's revenues. The club's boss, Khaldun Al-Mubarak, said at the time that the settlement felt like more than a tiny pinch and added that the team would continue continue pursuing its strategy. Considering the gravity of the accusations facing it, Al-Mubarak's club had gotten off extremely lightly. Well, it appears as if the chickens have come home to roost and <laughs> the continuing investigations have brought us to this point right now. Um, last year, uh, some of our listeners will remember that Manchester City's own... Um, social media and on oh, its own media house uh, did an interview, a wide-ranging interview with Khaldun El-Mubarak, which talked about um, City, the great football that we're playing, the ambitions, the structure of the club, but also about the investigations and the ongoing investigations. And um, it started first with the allegations by Javier Tobias, the head of La Liga, and the comments he made about how Manchester City were distorting football. And then it moved forward to the actual, right at the end of the interview, and you can check it out on YouTube. It's easy to find. The actual investigations going on. And Khaldun Mubarak spoke about how confident he was about City, about what they've been doing, about the ongoing investigations of UEFA. And, um, And I guess now the worst case scenario for City has uh, has reared its head. Yeah, it, it really is. I think it's something that we need to impress upon people who are kind of just familiarizing themselves with all this. The penalty that Manchester City received today is, uh, by financial fair play standards, a very severe one. The two-year ban from Champions League or Europa League competition, as well as a £30 million fine on top of that. A message was clearly being sent to them that, I don't think it's just that they broke the rules. I think it's also the way in which they tried to deceive the committee uh, yes. that this was a, a thing that was happening. I'm reading now from The Guardian, um, uh, from their coverage of this. Uh, 
let's see, Sheikh Mansour of the Abu Dhabi ruling family was mostly funding the huge 67.5 million pound annual sponsorship of the city shirt stadium and academy by his country's airline, Etihad. One of the leaked emails suggested that only 8 million of that sponsorship in 2015-16 was funded directly by Etihad, and the rest was coming from Mansour's own company vehicle for the ownership of City, the Abu Dhabi United Group. Um, you know, it's like these are blurred lines when a guy kind of like owns all of these businesses that are now sponsors of the club. You know, it's it seems like it's just a situation that is so ripe with potential pitfalls and for chances to deceive the the governing body. And in the end, it's, you know, it's kind of one of those things where this has been long suspected. So I guess no one can, like, it would be almost disingenuous for us to be completely dumbfounded and, and shocked right. that this could have happened. But I guess there there is that, like, realization of, oh, my God, it, they were doing it. Like, that, you know, I think... Well, no, no, the, the oh my God is that UEFA actually stepped up and, and, yeah. and delivered what is such a an absolute blow to them. Um, because, look, what have we talked about on the podcast for the last few weeks, um, months even? We've talked about the divide between the haves and the have-nots in football and this kind of move towards a, a, uh, a Super League in Europe. And we've talked regularly how UEFA placate the big teams just to keep the Champions League together as we know it we know we give they they try as much as possible to to you know um make sure that the big clubs and the big leagues are satisfied so they won't blow this whole thing up Mm -hmm. um and the surprise really is that they would do this um to manchester city i'm shocked to be honest with you because it's funny how it's just in the in the last 20, I mean, Miguel Delaney must be absolutely raging because he's put out a piece that's been tweeted and retweeted by everyone from Gary Lineker to the top journalists in England and America talking about uh, money and, and how football is broken. And and here we are right now with, with, with City, or rather with UEFA, kicking back against this yeah. effectively and saying that, no, we will not allow this to stand. We brought in financial fair play for a reason, which is something me and you regularly joked about and laughed about and I even know. mocked. How foolish do we look now? No, but but the fact that they'd actually do it um, is very, very uh, stunning to me. And, I mean, the problem I think now is that in one of the Football League's documents, and I don't recall who said it, in the man who are who's alleged to have said it in the city archive, but that they said they wouldn't care about this, that they would throw lawyer after lawyer, they'd spend a hundred thirty, thirty million, a hundred million, whatever it took mm-hmm. to fight anything that UEFA would come up against them. And that's now the challenge for UEFA in the Court of Arbitration for Sport. Yes. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And I and I can't help but wonder if this is kind of, you know, not this is the first time that financial fair play has come into play, but the severity of it, like like I said, a message is being sent. And, JJ, don't you just wonder now how many other clubs around Europe are, like, shaking in their boots, thinking, like, oh, my God, here they come. Like, are, are we going to be next? Like, we've talked – it's unfair to just, like, throw allegations out there, but, like <laughs> – PSG must. There must be people in those offices that are just terrified right now. I, I love the, the 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 kind of guarded way we have to be about these things when 
you know, it's obvious, massive amounts of money injected into a club has to come from somewhere. You don't become Manchester United with their commercial revenue model or Liverpool even with theirs overnight when you're not. You know, so the money had to be coming from somewhere and it had to be get got into the clubs um, in some kind of, by some kind of economic vessel that was maybe not 100% kosher. <laughs> it's yeah. just, you know, obvious, but we have to, there's got to be some clubs um, who are now, I, I, I'm all over the place with this, obviously. My head is, is flooding with thoughts, but I'm wondering if UEFA as a body said, you know, we can be submissive to the greater trends of football only for so long. This, this, um, this kind of superpower league is coming down the line. Our only option is right now to go on the offensive. And City, with the um, you know, plethora of, of, uh, of allegations against them, you know, it was, if you wait, basically what I'm saying is if you wait for we're not to, to find City now and to do this now, then that's it. Mm-hmm. There are no worlds left to conquer in terms of UEFA regula- regulatory bodies. If they would say, if, if UEFA would not say stop and no further now to City, then, sure, then, then that would be it. They would have lost the most important battle. Yeah. Um, and you wonder too, like, yeah, it says in the statement that Manchester City also were guilty of failing to cooperate with the investigation. Like, if they if they might have been able to avoid this, like the level of harshness that they wound up getting, had they just kind of played along here. Um, but man, this is from the Guardian again. Financial fair play introduced in 2011 with the aim of encouraging football clubs across Europe not to overspend on players' wages, restricts the amount club owners can put in to cover losses. Sponsorship boosts revenues, and therefore the amount that clubs have to spend under financial fair play. So the perception that Mansoor himself was in fact funding the Etihad deal led to the serious allegation that City had deceived UEFA's uh, CFCB, which was responsible for ensuring compliance with financial fair play. Um, um. Yeah, and I'm reading here from um, from the excellent Rob Harris, who is, I mean, if there's anything going on in football financial-wise or, or in terms of uh, breaches of financial fair play, Rob is always on top of these things. And the uh, the key sentence for me in this is that in the 2014 case, there's a sense not just a sense. It's probably a fact that City seemed to cooperate with UEFA. Mm-hmm. Um, the adjudicatory chamber, and I'm reading from the statement, has also found that in breach of the regulations, the club, and this is the point you made, Andrew, failed to cooperate in the investigation right. by the CFCB. I mean, that, that's got to be the key point here. Like, the cover-up is almost worse than the crime. We say that. We say that all the time. The, the fact that, and I don't, I hate talking in cliches, but the fact that they would, that they would flout uh, UEFA to their faces like this, surely, surely push UEFA um, to make to make a decision. Yeah. Um, but now again, like uh, we talked about Der Spiegel in 2019 and football leaks and all that. I mean, Rob is linking uh, an Associated Press 
uh, read from 2018 about how Manchester City was facing a Champions League ban. This has been in the works. It's just whether those in UEFA had the gut, had the, to borrow a phrase by uh, Troy Deeney, the cojones yeah. to go ahead and do it. Man, wow. just uh, like I'm just thinking of like the the ramifications of this because it's already been, you know, by Manchester City standards, this has not been a good season. They're not going to win the league, and it's not going to be close. They were on track to qualify for Champions League, but that's now out the window. Um, all their eggs now kind of are truly in this basket of like they better win the Champions League now because when they come out of this, let's just say whatever appeals are now to go down. Um, let's say that everything is upheld and what we know to be the case today winds up being the way that it is in Manchester City have this ban. Like, in two years' time or in three years when they're getting ready to come out of this, what will they look like? Like, are they, I, I got to well, believe that Pep Guardiola is not going to be around through the end of this. There were already rumors that maybe his time at City was growing thin. Well, not rumors. The way he was talking the other day, he did his usual, uh, you know, kind of veiled commentary about well it's not as usual but he kind of you see the thing with Pep is hard to know if he's being uh, sarcastic or not mm-hmm. um, because he is comfortably one of the most sarcastic people I've ever seen um, in action so you know but he was kind of saying well if I if I go uh, you know but I mean the fact that he leaves I I, I can't overstate how central Guardiola's vision of football has to be has been to the academy recruiting yeah um the, the the way the team plays every don't forget it was I believe 2011 or 2012 that Tiki Dam was 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 charged with setting up this what had traditionally been relegation fodder occasionally in the 30s and and in the 60s an amazing team but generally a, a floundering club, they charged Tiki Bergerstam with making them Barcelona. That's what the charge was. And so this was set up right before Pep. And if Pep's not there, I, I mean, now we should say, I don't know how this works. While they appeal this to the Court of Arbitration for Sport, I presume they remain banned. Yes. Okay. I, I, yeah. I would think so. Um, but you know what? I don't know. I'm not, I shouldn't pretend to be. An authority. The thing I wonder about is, you know, this idea of whether or not they can continue being great even while this ban is in existence, and that's kind of a two-pronged thing because um, obviously they're, you know, you need great players to continue being great, and will great players want to go to Manchester City if they know there's no hope of competing in a Champions League? However, no, 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 however, we'll, the, we'll, the answer is simple. Um, well, it, it, it depends. I say the answer is simple. A lot of people follow the money. I mean. You know, Robinho ended up with a with a befuddled Mark Hughes. You know, um, on the on the steps of the Manchester City training ground. How did that happen? That was because of the money. So they'll still attract if the ownership group continues to back City. They'll still they'll still have the money to be, I mean, extremely competitive. And but it's just the whole structure of the club is built around Pep. Like they'd have to in a in a, in a sense start again if Pep leaves. Um, uh, Miguel Delaney has tweeted again, another person who's, you know, all over this stuff. Um, always worth acknowledging in all this. A problem with financial fair play is not the same as whether the rules should be enforced. If the rules exist, it would be a mockery if they weren't enforced. 
Right. We had. That's we. That was pretty much the point we we made earlier. Well, yeah, we had thought that this was kind of a toothless threat, and now I think we're all realizing today that no, this is like this is the wake up call that a lot of clubs around Europe maybe needed to to hear. Is is this? I mean, this is the this is the powers that be uh, in UEFA acting to protect what exists now and not let it get further down the line. Um, it's not just enforcing roles for me, Andrew. This could be a a watershed moment for the future of football in the biggest competition in the world. Yeah. Now, one thing that's important, there is obviously another side to this. We've referenced Manchester City and their appeals, um, and they are, as you would mostly expect, they are vehemently denying that they have broken any yes. rules. David Kahn uh, has... Um, he has tweeted saying uh, Manchester City again say they have, quote, irrefutable evidence that Sheikh Mansour did not mostly fund the $65. million Eddie Hutt sponsorship. The two-year ban and 30, uh, 30 million euro fine shows the UEFA bodies did not believe that and that they concluded that the club's deception was very serious. Uh, so this will now this will all be heard in court and this will all come to light of whatever this evidence is that Manchester City say that they have. Um, we'll, I guess we'll find out what that is, and we'll all be left to decide for ourselves whether or not we believe them. But UEFA did not, and uh, it's why we are where we are today. And so the other thing that was interesting, JJ, is how this all started with Der Spiegel. Yes. Uh, so it it, can, it began with uh, leaked or – so I guess they were leaked or stolen materials, and Manchester City said they were taken out of context. Now, Der Spiegel anonymized their source, um, just calling him the name John. Um, and that was it. That was as far as they were willing to go. But over time, he was identified as a Portuguese national named uh, Rui Pinto. Yes. Uh, and he has now been charged in Portugal with 147 criminal offenses, including hacking and other cyber crimes. He denies that. Um, this is well, the- I mean, I, I wonder in the future, Ru- will Rui Pinto be, be seen as something of a, of a, a rebel hero for football? Because none of this would be as exposed as it is right now, except for his, I don't know, what do you call it? Uh, whistleblowing? Is, is, is that the term these days? I guess. I mean, whistleblowing is usually done by somebody within an organization. That would be like if uh, if Pep Guardiola, <laughs> like if he revealed all this. This is kind of more of like uh, Julian Assange. Uh, yeah, it's, ha- it's hacking. Yeah, yeah essentially. Um, God, unbelievable. Now, the other thing, that I'm very curious about, and I have not seen anything yet suggesting what is going to happen. But Manchester City this year, we're gonna like they're gonna finish probably second or third in the league. What what happens now in terms of Champions League qualification? Like, will that just now become? The, let's say City finish second. Will it now be who finishes first, third, fourth, and fifth that qualify, or will it I just be will it just be three teams from England that go? Like, I, I'm very curious uh, how this will work. Well, I th- I think um, considering our conversation this week, which everyone should listen to across all platforms with the with Sheffield United and Blades Analytics. I mean, Sheffield United fans have got to be 
I, I mean, everybody else in the chase for the Champions League spots is no. No, this just got things just got real for a lot of for like we. It's so funny. You're right. We just talked about how there are nine teams that feel they have a legitimate, or or the teams all the way up through ninth in the table all yeah. feel like they have a legitimate shot. Well, I mean, if we felt that way before this. Like if you're an Everton fan, if you're, you know Wolves are about to play Leicester, like how much bigger does it feel like that game just got? Now, now with all these other clubs feeling like, oh my God, like we kind of thought we had a chance before, but they're waking up today realizing we are in this. Like this is going to be an amazingly compelling battle uh, for those Champions League places. Uh, I mean, what a headache for the Premier League now! What an absolute headache for them. They've, how they so? Have- well, first of all, I mean, this is one of their flagship clubs. Is it? Now, what do you mean, is it? Well, uh, in, oh, in, the yeah. sen- in the sense they, that oh, they've been one of the most successful clubs of, of, this, in, of the in, last in, decade. But like, bro- when I think, records, but JJ, you, Andrew, you talk Andrew, about it yourself, Andrew. that this was a floundering club. The, when I think flagship clubs, you know, you think Liverpool and United, Arsenal, like those are really the ones, like... The, Andrew, the, the Andrew. Premier League is bigger than Manchester City. They will survive this without any issue. I never said they wouldn't, but there is a there is an issue now for them uh, concerning Manchester City. I mean, if UEFA is questioning City's break of of fair play, then surely when you look at the way the City team that broke records in the Premier League is viewed, how how then do 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 the Premier League as a whole view City? You know, uh, and they also, uh, on a practical point of view, how are they going to, re- like we just discussed, how are they going to reallocate, you know, the European uh, places? I mean, you've got Pep Guardiola, Andrew. You've got Sergio Aguero. You've got, like, whether we like it or not, of the last few years, if you want to say the last few years, mm-hmm. I'm not calling them in a, in a and historically great club. They are. They, they're a flagship club right now. There's no question about that. That is a, You've got to say that's a problem for the Premier League. This elephant in the room that's, that's quite likely going to be in your top one or two positions for the next few years, depending on how all this breaks down and the reaction of ownership and the manager, granted, but a team that could conceivably be this elephant in the room that is... This huge power in English football, and yet is not allowed to compete in Europe because of the way it acts off the field. What did the Premier League just ignore that? No, I'm not saying they need to ignore it, but they might feel they might be happy that UEFA kind of did like did their bidding, that they felt like there might have been this dirty club here, you know, and like UEFA may have just handled this for them and and almost done them a favor in some yeah. ways, like the Premier League, like. So they'll be fine. So if Manchester City falter, so okay. So the clubs that the Premier League really wants to prop up, like like you've talked about the historically great clubs, like Manchester United may potentially benefit from something like this. Tottenham may benefit from something like this. You know, Chelsea, but, but, Arsenal, like but but a huge and don't forget the money, Andrew. A huge moneyed member of the elite club of the biggest league in the world has been or is allegedly is alleged by the governing body of European football to have acted in a way that means they must be excluded from European competition. That's a massive problem for the Premier League. A massive problem. I mean, I guess I see what you're saying, but 
I really think that they'll like I think they're fine. Like I, I think they'll be fine. I don't I don't know. I don't I don't see it as just like quite the emergency for the Premier League. It's an emergency for Manchester City, but I I don't know. City are um they are off this weekend. They're next in action uh on Wednesday uh at home against West Ham. Um, their premier, their Champions League campaign resumes at the end of the month against Real Madrid. Oh my God! The pressure on them now to get this Champions League trophy before the rug is kind of pulled out I, from underneath them is—it's just been ratcheted up several I, notches. It, they used if they booed the Champions League anthem before. What's it going to sound like now? <laughs> I mean, you're right, but like, and, and fans will always side with their club like that's kind of like the social contract that you make when you decide to become a fan you know you always give your own guys the benefit of the doubt but I mean really like this isn't a UEFA problem it, this is a Manchester City problem everyone knows the rules and UEFA is just enforcing them I, like we said we'll find out if Manchester City have evidence to, to to prove this to be not true but like you know Manchester City fans like we said they can't you can't be completely stunned. Like there had to always be this part of you deep down inside where you thought something like this one day could come, and yeah, potentially. I mean, I mean, I'm afraid that kind of awareness and self awareness, certainly in the Twitter sphere, is 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 not evident in Manchester City fans. And that's another point. If you're if you're somebody, it's going to get toxic. I mean, I. The way that the City fans and all uh, granted City fans from around the world, not just from Manchester, mm-hmm. have coalesced to defend this team at, or this club rather, because I don't think when I I, I got to be careful with the words I use here. Team, I mean, I don't mean Raheem Sterling or anybody. Those people. No, you can still right. love all these players. Yeah, the, players yeah. Didn't the do way they've wrong. coalesced to defend the hierarchy of the club from either allegations of war crimes or anything has been. Quite stunning. You can only imagine now what it's going to be like as they as they move to defend them themselves against uh, the ban by UEFA. Yeah, JJ, yeah. I, I, I just saw John Bruin had a tweet which kind of sums up perfectly what it is that we're sort of dancing around. He puts it succinctly. John Bruin tweeted, "Manchester City, the latest proof of the sporting adage that if it looks too good to be true, then it probably is." Uh, look, look, I mean. <laughs> That's the that's the other side to these conversations. They're kind of frustrating because you know what happened. You know you, you just don't become one of the biggest powers in, in European football in a few seasons without a lot of money. And the question is, how was that money got to the club, and did it contravene UEFA FFP laws? Yeah. And I again, I feel bad saying it, but like John Bruin. He should just take that tweet and put it in his pocket because, like, I mean, if you just if you replaced Manchester City with PSG, like, we could be having the exact same conversation right now. Yeah, I yeah. just Look, like he um, could be re- he could be sending that same tweet in a few months' time for for them. Like, I, uh, I guess I, what what I wonder is is has the Court of Arbitration for Sport dealt with a case like this before and I'm presuming that the the case of of AC Milan was taken to the court of arbitration for sport for their European ban 
you, I, I would just defer to you on that. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, they were struck with the, was it last year? They were struck with a, with a year long ban um, from the Europa League, which I guess, <laughs> I mean, is kind of absorbable. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, um, it's going to be a few months of, of intent. Every, again, another problem with the world we live in, everyone's going to be a lawyer. Like there's lots, there's lots I won't be able to understand about, about this process. And, and, and I, I presume that Cass's ruling will be binding. So, I mean, here we go. Yeah. It begins. Oh, man. And you just know, like, look, this is something that needs to be handled by the board and and lawyers. But, like, you know, know, microphones are going to be shoved in Kevin De Bruyne's face to talk about this. Like, I don't know. What do you want me to say? I just kick a ball. Like, these guys don't understand what, like, what just happened here. They're probably all feeling the shockwaves of this, certainly, and wondering what this means for their futures. But, like, it's just funny because you know these guys are going to be asked to comment. And what do you expect – Kevin De Bruyne or Sergio Aguero to talk about when we're, when we're asking questions about financial fair play. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, Kevin De Bruyne looks mildly annoyed when he's interviewed anyway, at the best of times. So like, I mean, oh, when you're, th- when, when he better get ready to have a whole load of uh, legal jargon thrown at him. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's what he wants to do now. Oh, let me just study up so I can make sure to answer all these questions that I'm going to be asked about FFP. <laughs> that's what he wants yeah uh, this is oh, wow. this is crazy man i i seeing that tweet getting that message that was uh just not obviously not something we expected to uh to see today and i'm sure boy like we're talking about it from our perspective you're a manchester city fan oh this is i'm sorry i don't know what to say to you yeah and you know what like i've met so many you know genuine not tinfoil hat conspiracy theory Manchester United or Manchester City fans who don't believe the entirety of uh, of European football is against them and who are genuine supporters from who remember the penalty shootout days to get into the championship against Gillingham and um, and I feel for them more than anything because they've been on this amazing ride and they've enjoyed the good times the last few years there's no question and why wouldn't they uh, from just a purely sporting standpoint but um you know, there, there's with these things. There's there's always some kind of reckoning, or usually, but um, it's it's never usually administrators in sport who step up to do it, and uh, and uh, UEFA have done it. Yeah, unbelievable, man. We will obviously continue to monitor this and talk about this, and and have experts on uh, the show with us who can like really shed light on what it means and what happens next. Um, because like where this goes from here, I mean, I can only assume that what we learn today is the way it's going to be. But who knows, man? Like honestly, who the hell knows with how appeals will go, uh, and if the time frame on any of this will shift? Whew. Fascinating! Oh my god, fascinating! Uh, that's about it for me. You got anything left? I don't. Um, I don't really. I'm kind of. Uh... Oh, by the way, as a Liverpool fan. Um... <laughs> I hate doing that. Again, another Twitter thing that's just crept into my life, qualifying every comment by telling people the team that I support, as if people don't know who listen to this podcast. But I like I don't take any huge amount of joy in this. No. I think I think it's it's twofold. I think that um football was 
is at a tipping point and that the rules should be enforced. But, ah, geez, I don't. I, if you're a Manchester City fan, I, I can understand why um, why this doesn't feel good at all. No. And, no. and why they feel bad. And I, and I take no joy in it. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, enjoy the game this afternoon. Enjoy the games this weekend. We should say also Monday, uh, Chelsea versus Manchester United. Um, again, like all these teams outside of the top four, like United, like these games all just got yeah. that much more interesting for everyone involved. Everyone's feeling that little bit larger glimmer of hope that there's now uh, an avenue for them into the Champions League when they may not necessarily have felt that way before. Uh, and since and since we spoke um, uh, last on the podcast, Andrew, uh, a player that we've long loved and wondered how they'd stay, how he'd stayed at Ajax. Hakim Ziyech yeah. is on his way to Chelsea. So, um, on on what I would have to say, considering like how good he is and his age, like on a great deal for Chelsea, superb, superb deal. Um, in this inflated football world, it's uh, they've got him for nothing. Yeah, uh, really, honestly, uh, brilliant. What like half or not half, but like considerably less than they paid for Pulisic. Yeah, Pulisic was what seventy five, and Ziyech was forty three. <laughs> I, mean, I mean bargain we love christian but oh my god wow yeah. you can only oh. imagine what Gio Reyna will be going for oh boy <laughs> <laughs> oh this was I, I don't want to even say fun this was interesting this was an experience we all have we're all living this together now we're in this uh this world where financial fair play suddenly means something i up is is down black is white i no longer know what things around me mean anymore i'm i'm being birthed for the first time. This is all oh. just very new and different, JJ. Uh, Andrew's Andrew's placenta of innocence is being wiped from his eyes. There's an image. What a metaphor. That's beautiful. Hey, uh, have a good weekend, man. To you, I say... Take it later, fun boy. See ya. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 